0: The Football Pod on OTB Sports. I, I think they'll have too much. I didn't hear a word you said in the last 45 seconds. What? Breaking news here on The Football Pod. The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. You should be the host here.
1: <laughs> I'm really laughing at you.
0: We're both Munster people, die-hard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan, and you're listening to the Red Seventy Eight here on the Rugby Channel. And with me is, as always is Neave Briggs. Uh, Nave, how are you? Uh, Tottenham beating at the weekend, so that disappointed you, I'm sure. You've let Manchester United back into it now as well.
1: I know, pretty devastating. Very bad results. Uh,
0: how, well. we, how, how was your weekend? Did you had you camp, or did, did you get to the monster game?
1: No, we had camp, and then um, I got home to, to work for a fair day, so it was great.
0: Oh, very good, very good. been
1: home for a long time, so it
0: was nice. Oh. Big game
1: for you tonight, Quinny.
0: Big game tonight, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. United uh, certainly want to try and avenge that 5-0 beating we gave them in Old Trafford back in October. But anyway, let's get on to the rugby. Um, a good weekend for, for Munster. Kind of had a feeling that, and we'll analyse it in a minute, that... Um, a little bit of the old kind of feeling around the stadium, people leaving. I think um, I, I wasn't at the game, but I watched it and speaking to friends. Um, there was a real good feel, good factor leaving the stadium. Um, we put out, as always, we want people to be involved. Um, you can tweet us at the Rugby Channel or leave a comment on uh, wherever you get your podcast. But we put out a tweet yesterday and uh, you want to go through some of the comments?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I agree with you. I obviously wasn't there either, but um looking back on it uh the next morning, um genuinely like the atmosphere kind of gave you a good feel, good factor, didn't it? The buzz that was around. I think people, you know, were definitely big crowds, um, definitely pints were flowing and you kind of felt like People will just really got behind them, and I think that that's look. It's an issue we'll chat about later on, but I think that that's what Thomas Park does. Is it, 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 it's so difficult for teams to come and win? Um, the crowd really are super there that um, it creates that extra boy. But um, just like I,
0: I, just before you do that, Andy yeah. Dunn said last week and off the ball that it's kind of exhausting supporting monster, and he feels the pain of the monster fans this week. It's all positive, isn't it? Because we, when, when I put out the tweet yesterday, um, the comments are so much better and more positive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Completely. And I think Andy's got a bit of a point. It's definitely a roller coaster. Um, it's a bit like sporting Spurs at the moment. Um, Carmel O'Connor, same team, would be good in relation to the Ulster game this weekend. Will be a big Ulster backlash after the Toulouse game. Saturday's game was unreal. The atmosphere was incredible. Munster's performance was spectacular. Mu and abu, which I liked. Uh, Alan O'Flynn, which I actually thought was a really good um, comment in relation to the when Murray was in the bin, there were no frills, injection of pace. You could see that it kept the opposition on the back foot as they like, were left guessing.
0: Just uh, as, so- a coach, as a coach on that tweet, is that down to a little bit more confidence? A little bit more composure, better decision making. What? what it, why was that? Because I agree with that comment that they seem more composed.
1: Yeah i I think a couple of things. You're talking about comfort zones. I think at that time, you know, I thought Munster were literally whatever Exeter were doing. I felt like that they were kind of. We can deal with what they're going to throw at us. We can deal with that backline attack. We can deal with their broken play. We can deal with Dave yours. And I I think that they definitely learned lessons from from previous week. And I actually wasn't too sure about this um, two-legged kind of uh, format. and I I thought it was brilliant. I thought it actually produced a huge amount of excitement over the weekend across all the games. Um, But I, I, I think that... You know, you look, at th- you look at them being at home and um, they were definitely on top of the breakdown. Um, and when you have that kind of confidence that even though you're kind of chasing the scoreboard a small bit, you kind of feel like you're on top. And even if they were going to score, you kind of felt like you could go back and get another one. Um, that does a huge amount for a team and, and their ability to kind of get after things. And I thought they did that really well. Um, Onyekahal, similar, very exciting to see the teams gelling so well and and exuding so much energy and excitement. I keep the team the same and maybe switching of Casey to start and Murray off the bench. Um, people are talking about Kay- trying to get Casey to start. Paddy was saying same, Paddy 4, 6, 7, 8, what a name. Casey surely has to start against Toulouse. Um, but yes, you know, is is that, which is not something that he probably want to know but or, or listen or hear, but is the fact that he provides that energy off the bench, you know, is that kind of Munster's weapon? You know, the likes of him and Thomas Ahern coming off the bench, they have a huge amount of skill, but also a huge amount of pace.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be one of those players that is just kind of seen as an impact player because um, Craig Casey, I'm sure, would want to start. Um, and he's putting pressure on Conor Murray, isn't he? And I thought Conor Murray was really good over these two legs, particularly defensively. Um, he's made one or two little mistakes last week over an Exeter, but, defend, you know, in a game like that, he made so many tackles. And um, I think it's a type of game when you're controlling a game. And if you're ahead, um, do you want Connor Murray on the field or do you want Craig Casey? I think, you know, so Craig Casey obviously has to, his big strength is probably speed, movement, passing ability, it's probably quicker. So it depends what type where you are in the game. But I think it's brilliant if you want to pick up the pace, you want to slow down the pace. And this is not being disrespectful to Conor Murray. I just think he's his experience and his defensive capabilities and his kicking game are probably better. So it's I great to have that and, mixture.
1: And this is, you know, Casey's young. We we kind of it's been around for a few years now, so we kind of feel like that you know, he's probably older than what he is, but he's still quite young. And I still think he's learning a lot. His decision-making on the ball at times and uh, needs to be a little bit better, I think. Um, and look, I, I think for me, you know, you're looking at a team that you're moving around the park and then with 20 minutes ago, you're bringing on somebody like him. I think it's worked for Munster at the moment. Um, and I agree. I get frustrated. I think it's very easy to... Talk about Murray and his pace and how slow he is. Um, I think it's just a, a product of how how Monster play. I think inside their own half they don't like to keep possession very often, so it results in a lot of kicking. Um, and
0: I think it'll be re- I think it'll be really interesting, Neve. Um, we have finished the tweets in a sec, but I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the summer, who comes in as attack coach, um, and. There's absolutely no reason why Conor Murray can't play in a team that's attacking more. And I think that narrative that's kind of out there is a bit unfair in him. I just think, yeah, for sure, Craig Casey has that spring and that energy and he needs to learn more. So I think pre-season will be really interesting for the, for, for both of those guys and the whole evolution of, of needing to expand their game a little bit. Continue on. There's probably a few more. Is there? They're, Sorry, all, yeah, there is,
1: they're all very positive. They're all speaking in relation to to next week and obviously we'll get on to that, but um you know front row rugby the strongest available team needs to start plenty of minutes in the bank from the winter. Um they they just talk about you know putting out the strongest team we need to go for the URC Martin McNeilish and our best chance of a trophy. Um Rory Kreven did a very interesting thing I I, I was it kind of blew my mind. I, I thought Joey Carvey was very good this weekend. And I know I've been harping on about this for quite a while. I genuinely still believe his best position is 15. Roy Cremon would love to see Carberry at 13. Has it all pace, passing, sight, just needs to learn to defend the 13 channel. Opens up the out half spot then, too.
0: Look. Again, I think that that's something that may be looked at for next season. It's not going to happen at this stage of the no, season. No, it's
1: not. And I also think 13 asks a lot of them defensively, um, which I'm not really sure, but. Um, fin photography. It's good, not perfect. Something to definitely build on. An immense e- effort, given the long line of injuries. And then we'll just finish with this one. Um, Adrian and From my perch high up in the East Stand, I watched the inc- an incredible match. Carbery was my man. In the match I felt we kicked poorly from play. Munster bench was a bigger impact. Arhurn, Casey, and Condell gave an exciting energy. Munster's 16th man will be even louder in the Aviva. Um, and that brings me on to the very, very last one. James Broderick. Morning, Alan. A uh, question for you and Eve in the know. Was there any effort made to get to the quarterfinals into one of the GA grounds, or was it one of the Munster branch hands, IRF, or was it out of the Munster branch hands, an IRFU decision? Um,
0: regarding the Ed Sheeran concert and the, yeah, the Toulouse fixture, that it's, it's going to, yes, uh, I can answer that question. There was uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, last month, I think um, the questions were asked about the possibility of Munster beating Exeter and Toulouse getting over Ulster and Munster having a home, potential home quarter final. Um, that was looked into. Um, the GEA were contacted. Um, Limerick, Cork, and Turles were being muted as possible. Um, venues because of the Ed Sheeran concert that's been booked a year and a half ago. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I don't think the GEA, and this is not any criticism of the GEA, I don't think they could commit any of the stadiums because you see what's happening in Parky Cueve with Cork and Kerry and their their match. Um, and that's still not been sorted. So I think there's uncertainty. What That game could have been moved to Turles or Limerick. So they couldn't commit any stadium. Um, two months to rugby um, so it was looked at um, I think uh, people would love to see if it wasn't at home park you would love to be going down to the Gaelic grounds and having a dare and having a kind of a party atmosphere and something unique but it's not going to happen it's it's going to be on in the Aviva now and like I said we'll talk about the Ed Sheeran thing in a little while um, but
1: Weird, while we're on it just let's bang it out now because we can talk about it okay, the- okay. afterwards um, like oh. My my thought is that this this concert's been you know well in place before the fixtures were were um, you know given out the that season structure and I think talk about COVID and the loss of revenue we we both know the financial strains that are in Irish rugby at the moment but not only that but in, but in Munster um, and. Um, I think when you get an opportunity to make revenue very quickly from something as big as this um, I, th- I can kind of see why they didn't turn it down um,
0: yes and I think look just to 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 kind of put it in context um, with everything that's happened with covid I think monster have lost a lot of revenue like a lot of sporting organizations but were financially kind of under a bit of pressure before covid um Ed Sheeran, uh, you know, getting it's getting the opportunity to, to to kind of allow an Ed Sheeran concert, two of them to come in there, make revenue from that was looked at, and it's been booked a year and a half. I think normally the EPCR quarterfinals are on in April; they're never really on in May. I know the season this year has been stretched out, and we would have known about that probably twelve months ago. But um, it's they're not normally this 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 late in May. Um, Quarterfinals, and there is a lot of comments online, and I saw them straight after the match on Saturday, and I saw lots of people venting their frustration that it's an absolute joke, and one should have sold out their their team for an Ed Sheeran concert. It's not that simple. This was planned a long, long time ago, and normally, um, as I said, those quarterfinals would be on in April, but um, to change it now and actually this isn't about pay cuts for players, but there's been a lot of staff in Munster Rugby who've taken pay cuts. There's staff in Munster Rugby who've been let go. Yep. They've lost their jobs um, and there's financial issues. So Munster would have been crazy not to look at the possibility of getting uh, the, the concert into Toman Park to make some revenue over two nights. And it's just the timing of the the games, unfortunately have fallen on that weekend, the quarterfinals and probably up to five minutes to go on, on Saturday night, Munster were, were going to Belfast to play Ulster. and That all changed. So, to have every permutation right and to got, have gotten it right here and actually dismissed the concert and said we're not taking a chance, I think it would have been financially stupid yeah. um, because, you know, if Munster ended up being away and Munster said no to the Ed Sheeran concert, well then, they'd lost hundreds of thousands of revenue that they're going to get from this concert. So, I think it's up on four or five hundred thousand that they can make, uh, right. which is a lot of money for rugby development stuff that you and I will get into another time. But like w- there needs to be more investment in developments and continuous investment in, in, in all the provinces. So I just think it's it's a bit unfair. Um, my first thought was, what the hell are we doing? We need to have this game in Town Park it going out of there. But when you when you peel it back and you look at the, the logistics and the reasons, it's a no brainer. They had to. They had to take the chance and, and go with the concert and get in the, the money. Um, the game at the Aviva Stadium, Toulouse will take thirty five percent of the revenue. Sixty five percent will go to Monster and the IRFU. Um, so that will be split. So Monster will will, will will probably get thirty thirty two and a half percent of the revenue. So. Um, I think the impacts that the city in, of Limerick um, and you work there all the time is going to get a great kick from the Ed Sheeran concerts like they do for the Munster rugby matches when they're on but um, I think we just have to put it to bed now and realise that this was is a tricky situation it's not ideal but I don't think Munster deserve any blame for this because
1: No, I agree um, I think you made a brilliant point there Quinny sorry for interrupting you there but you made a brilliant point I mean, you look at people's livelihoods and the fact that, like, we bought know lots of monster staff, um, and our few staff, as in staff within rugby circles, that have lost their jobs through COVID. Um, this is an ability to try and start to make, you know, money, but also to rebuild that kind of um financial, I suppose, stability. And um, I think that's going to be really important. And, um, yeah, you would love to challenge. And, and I wouldn't do this to Munster fans because I think they're just the best fans in the world in terms of every time I look at old games uh, in France and in England and the amount of, like, even the Exeter game in Sandy Park and the, the amount of monster fans over there, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. But I'd love to challenge them to go and, and, and fill the Aviva in red because um, already people are talking online and in social media and on these pods that, you know, just because it's gone out of Tomah Park and Sandy Aviva that means Munster aren't going to win. I'd love just to, to pro- chip in the shoulder type of thing and, and prove them wrong, and and almost call you know call all the supporters and try and try and get them to make that journey to, to Dublin.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd love if they, the, the journey to Dublin and it's difficult for people. I think is uh, it's different, um, and I agree. with you. I'd love the stadium to be sold out. It's it's a tall order to get fifty over fifty thousand people into the stadium. Um, Toulouse would bring a couple of thousand, but. I'd love to see it priced affordable. Yes. You know, that the, the, the people can bring the kids and they can bring those options there. But who knows? We don't make those decisions. I think what happened at the weekend, um, and we move on to that now, is the monster performance of the weekend. And this is something that we, we have to be realistic here. This wasn't vintage monster, but some of the ingredients that I and you believe are necessary when you put on a monster jersey is passion, pride, fight, desire, and energy, all those kind of things. I think they, they have to be a given. I think obviously we've spoken a lot about upskilling and the attack and stuff, but I think over the last two weekends, people would have watched monster and said, okay, we, we have deficiencies, but there was a bite there. There was a passion there. There was a work rate there that, and, and, we we don't we focus on the game last week in, in, in Exeter and I just think what happened over in Exeter got Munster through to the quarterfinals because the reality is Exeter had, had Munster under so much pressure, was it four or five times they were over the try line? Yep. Last ditch, Keith Earls tackle. That's what wins you and and gets your progression in a two legged affair. And I think um they showed that. So things were better at the week. What, what did you notice? Um, so monster win 26-10. They were five points down. And they win this game 26-10. On aggregate, they won 34-23. What was better this week for you in the performance? And, and did the crowd make a huge, play a huge part in that as well?
1: Yeah, look, I thought the crowd were fantastic. I thought they were absolutely phenomenal. I was talking to the girls that were there. They said it was one of the best times they'd been in, in Thorn Park over the last couple of seasons. And um, she just said everybody, you know, they were just saying that everybody seemed to be on really, really good form, points were flowing, and they were living their best lives. I think for me, I've, you know, I had a really good think about this after I watched the game yesterday. You know, you're watching it back, and um, you've got time to kind of digest things, and you're able to go back and have a look at things. I think a couple of things are very stark, okay? I don't think the Munster attack is going to change or improve much now until the end of the season. So I think that's something that
0: we they can do. Can, they can tweak it a bit
1: yeah they can, but I just don't know if it's in their, if it 's on their menu to be honest I think you I think if you can turn up and be a minute at the breakdown like they have been for the last two games, but the last game especially, and you turn up defensively and you make them make it incredibly difficult for teams to um, to they have to work exceptionally hard to score um, and you kick really really well then I think that's the pedigree that Munster have to go with for the next while. I, look, I, I it's think... probably not the, going to be
0: enough to win your trophy, no, though. No, it? It,
1: w- it won't be enough to win an, a, a European trophy. Absolutely not. Um, I don't think it will. I think I think Munster just had that next tier down from the, from those very, very top teams. But I do think that's a huge, big starting point in terms of um, where they can bring their game to then probably over the summer and into next season. I think. Um, I thought their breakdown work was incredible. I thought their defensive stuff. They had, okay, there were deficiencies in the first game, especially in that midfield pairing. I thought they put themselves under pressure, and while it wasn't perfect the other day, I thought they managed that situation way better. I thought. Um, I thought Kyrie was really, really good. I thought he, he kicked very well and thought that he controls things knowing that like they still didn't have they still only had like uh, late 30s, early 40s possession if I remember correctly. So yeah, 30, extra, 39% possession. Yeah, so extra still had a huge amount of the ball but when I was watching I, I, I don't know about you but I, I never really felt like from the first few minutes I felt that Munster would overturn the five point deficit and they'd win.
0: So, so, that, so go, going back to Andy Dunn's point that they'd wear you out sometimes to watch him. I actually felt the same on Saturday that I didn't feel any sort of. Um, I mean, this with respect not to extra. I didn't feel any sort of panic. I thought, yeah, they just there was a different feel, a different body language yeah. about them. They, they were, um, and we referenced the point when Conor Murray was off and Mike Haley was scrum half and he was popping balls out and Peter Romani passed from one of those breakdowns. It was just a different feel about their performance, and maybe maybe they're getting a little bit more. And the reason I asked the question to tweet Jester because I think. If you can get as close to this same team to go to Belfast, and we'll cover that at the end. Well, they're growing a little bit as a group and so much chopping and changing for different reasons early on the season. And I think that's the way this team improves, that you, you uh, keep a little bit of continuity and try and build. And I think the, the thing I was talking about, tweaking your attack, you know, they're not going to go suddenly invent the wheel and, and become this incredible attacking team. But I think they can be better in their execution. So in other words, I mean, when they get into that kind of attacking zone, that they can identify a three-on-one or a three-on-two and, and execute it. And that they didn't do that last week in Exeter when Exeter were down to 13 men. And I, did, I want to believe that this is kind of like the FA Cup, or the tradition, traditional FA Cup, that the underdog can beat the better team. And it gives me a little bit of hope that if they do get everything right and they do have to get so much of their game right against a Toulouse or possibly a Leicester or a Leinster in the semifinal, if they get there, um, let's not go too far forward. I'm, I'm losing the run of myself here. But, you know, maybe they can cause problems. And I've always said this, if that fight and that that bravery is there, in, in, in the way they play, then monster fans will be pretty happy. But just got, on, on some of the individual performance, you mentioned yeah. Carberry. What about Peter O'Mahony? I just Exceptional. thought... Exceptional. A sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett. The three of them in the back row.
1: I, I know, I know Gavin Coombs is injured, but for me, that looks the most balanced back row that we've had all season in terms of the balance and how they, they work off each other, how they feed off each other. I thought I thought O'Mahony... It, it it's like as if he just comes out with these games and decides this is this is now where I switch in because all the rest of the games weren't knockout, this is a knockout game and he just goes up another gear. We see it when he does it with Ireland as well in, in crunch moments and um I thought he was excellent. And I thought that was probably the big difference maker. I thought the back row battle um was that was won so convincingly by Munster. I thought that their mentality to um in terms of the dominance so you know the reason why they were so they got such joy at the breakdown was because of the defensive dominance in terms of the actual physical hit. They weren't soaking a huge amount of tackles, they were actually getting up and biting people extra lads back, and therefore the next fella can come in and, and, and try and get in over the ball. I just thought that they that back row balance was just incredible. I,
0: I thought I also thought that they were more accurate with the ball as well. And, yeah. and the back row played a big big the land part of was that huge. Um, The land
1: day was excellent as well.
0: Yeah, the, the turn, turnovers conceded on, on Saturday at home were nine. Um, they were the same number over in Exeter, nine turnovers conceded. And the one that really jumps out that everyone's talking about is, is the breakdown. Turnovers won by Munster were eight on on Saturday. Um, three by Exeter. But funny enough, when I look back at it, turnovers won by Munster in Exeter was eight as well. So... Not, nothing really changed. I just think they were probably more disciplined in not giving away penalties and their body language was a lot better. Um, and I was trying to figure this out. Was that a huge shift this week? What What was so much better was 16 penalties in Exeter. Um, it was nine at the weekend. And you met, you said it last week as a coach and you're probably preaching this to your own teams, under 10, isn't that it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, look you look to get to under you don't want to get to double figures, it's very difficult to win a game. I think a couple of things there though. I think uh Matthew Reynal was definitely put under pressure by um O'Mahony at times, which was like that's his job. Um I thought he was excellent this weekend. But also the crowd, I thought they played such a huge performance and um in swaying some fifty fifty decisions. Um but yeah, look, I just thought it was, there was so... Look, Look, we're not going to run away with ourselves. I thought there was a huge amount of positive um, aspects of that game. Some other, co- like, a couple of things, and this is, you know, you can get pernickety about stuff, but I think Simon Zebo must have only touched the ball twice maybe. Like, I I felt like we didn't get the ball to our wide, wide channels enough. Like, they're not like Earls and Zebo, absolutely incredible. Um, I just thought when we had this incredible talent, we just... I just don't understand why we don't use them anymore. Do you know what I mean? And like that moment, the magic from Zebo to offload to Delande was just like part of me was like, where is he going? He's just got to get smashed over the touchline, like, and then to have the ability to
0: to throw to throw that offload in. And, and we spoke about that at the start of the season. Out three players. Yeah. We we spoke about it, start of the season. That's what Simon Zebo can do, that little bit of X factor. And that makes a difference at times. I think just on the getting the, the ball wide, at times um, they don't get over the game line enough. And, and even for the Zeebo try at the end, I think it was a great carry by Mike Haley, by Jack O'Donnell, over the game line. The ball is quicker. So I think it starts... I'm not even talking it starts,
1: about getting wide though, Quinny. I'm talking about them having the ability to work off their wings.
0: Oh yeah, to come in off their wings as yeah. well. Yeah, but I just think getting over the game line helps all that. And maybe that's yeah. a little bit of uh, part of the... The, the, the changes that need to happen. So, overall, of some great performances. Again, I keep mentioning Jean Klein, um, workhorse, and was very, very important, his physicality. Dia Linde is someone we're going to miss. I know Malachi Fekato is coming in, cetera, but I just think Dia Linde, when he's on song, he's so disciplined. He's such a nuisance at the breakdown. No panic on the ball, and he really makes some stick. Chris Farrell was better as well this week. Didn't get kind of caught with those kind of wide runners, Um so, it was, overall, it was a very, very good performance. Gives a little bit of heart and hope, but um, it's, the matches are coming quick and fast. And if I'm I'm just going to get up my pro for URC table here, Munster go to Ulster on Friday night. Incredible and one of the questions, game. yeah, and some of the tweeters were talking about there keep the same team. Munster have to go as strong as they can here. There's no, I was checking the injury list this morning. There's no. Bumps and bruises and stuff. There's no Dave Kilcoyne. There's no Ty Byrne. There's no Andrew Conway. Um, there's Who else is injured? Uh, Andrew Conway, Kilcoyne, Dave Kilcoyne and, Kilcoyne. Ty, and Ty Byrne. They're, Byrne. Kind of, they're four starters that are missing. Gavin Coombs. Know, Gavin Coombs, yeah. We don't know how long they're out. More, mm. it's, they may not be back in for, for a number of weeks. Who knows? But I think what we see at the moment, this is probably the strongest side that Munster kind of can pick on paper at the moment so they go to Ulster on Friday night Ulster obviously would have been devastated after what happened on Saturday night Yeah, they went to Toulouse they won the um, late Toulouse try over there I just had the feeling that that could be a problem for, for them I thought they'd get through um, Intimac and DuPont caused them major problems and had a big say in, in, in Ulster going out how difficult a game is that Friday night? It's a must-win game, I think, for Munster. Munster have three games left. They're away to Ulster, home to Cardiff, and away to Leinster. And in the table, if they're on forty-seven forty-seven points, sitting in fourth. But the problem for Munster is the Stormers are fifth and forty-seven, the Sharks are sixth on forty-six, Edinburgh are seventh on forty-four, and the Bulls are eighth on forty-three. So there's only four points separating fourth and eighth, um, and all the other teams I think are going to. They'll probably win this weekend. The South African teams will probably win, so there's a chance Munster could slip down to seventh or eighth here if they don't beat Ulster. And I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure Ulster will want nothing more to, than to bounce back and yeah. kind of secure a home semi final for themselves. How difficult is it going to be going to the Kingspan? I just just before you answer that, the last time we beat them was in 2016, 28th of October, 2016, 14-15, Rory Scannell with a drop goal and a 74 I remember, that. I remember watching it at home with my mom in Tipperary and screaming. It was uh, They were 14 nil down. They won 15-14. So can we go to Belfast and win?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult. Um, I think they that um, I've been really impressed with Ulster this season. I thought they were incredibly lucky last weekend against Toulouse, I thought um, I thought even some of the rugby they played in that game was really, really good. Um, that try by Ethan McElroy was just like super. Um, so, yeah, look, I do think it's going to be a difficult task. And, and this is the thing now. This is the, if you're coaching Munster and you're, you know, you're looking to get to that, you know, next level. You've got to look at consistency. And you've got to look at being able to back up performances in terms of being able to get to that mental pitch of where they got to last weekend. And that's a really difficult thing to do two weeks in a row. And we don't often see teams, the best teams, having to do that because more often than not, they don't play incredibly tough games week after week. After week so the likes of Leinster will, you know, only when they get to semi-final, final stages of competition. So they get really, for me in my eyes, get pushed to lose the same so to be able to, to back that kind of, to, you
0: know, that... What, what you're saying there is emotional... Uh, the, the, the emotional balance. The emotional be, pits, uh, pitch has got to be really high this week again, going yeah. to Belfast. I was chatting to Mark Robson. Uh, I'm going to be commentating the game Friday night. And uh, he's, uh, we've done many games over the years, uh, Robbo and myself. And he said he was so sad on Saturday night, he couldn't ask, he barely could barely ask Ian Henderson the questions after the game. That they were absolutely so devastated there. So is this a case of monster? And I'm saying this to Robert this morning. Monster now are in great fettle, confident, feeling good. Ulster down the dumps. Will we go up to Belfast? No problem. we we'll win this game. That's not going to happen. Surely? <laughs> no, I think, I think I think Ulster Ulster think, be yeah. jumping at the bit to try and get back. Completely, Dan and, and
1: Dan McFarlane is a, a super coach. I'm, you know, I love listening to him. I think um how he's got them ticking in their academy system that they've come through. They just have they're just doing lots of things right off the pitch and I think we're seeing it on. And I think um even when Billy Burns went off at a hia the other night, Mike Lowry just stepped in and it was like, like it didn't really make much of a difference to them. The only thing is 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 that if Munster go at similar twenty three year team and squad I think that that Munster bench will be huge. I think it'll be a little bit um, more have a little bit more nouse about them in terms of their ability to impact games. I think that's probably a small bit where Ulster fell down last weekend. I think don't think their bench was as strong as as what was coming off. Um, and I think that if Munster can um, be in a position like fifty five, sixty minutes where they're more than in this game then bringing the likes of Ahern, Kandel and Casey off the bench um, will definitely, I think, should should catapult them to the win. But it's going to be really, really difficult. Up there, incredibly hostile environments. Um, but it's, I I think if you're a player, it's kind of the type of game that you really look
0: forward to. What well, What do they have to bring, Niamh? Um, I know we're kind of looking into crystal ball here as regards selections. Who knows? Maybe both teams will make a couple of changes no you'd have to think think, from
1: a Munster point of view it's going to be similar like they they, yeah they need to they need consistency i think in team selection they're playing Cardiff at home in Musgrave Park the week after let that be your your downtime for players and i really think that if, if you i'd imagine that they would have they would have blocked off those three weeks the two games against Exeter and the game against Ulster to push their strongest team going a down week and then they can bring it back up after the Cardiff game so um, from a Munster point of view it's like, am I wrong surely they need to be
0: yeah does it matter how they win this if if, if they go to try and win it um, do they have to be brave and play attacking rugby in Belfast or will they revert is, the, is there a danger we may revert here to containment again and kicking the ball a lot um, or should they go and try and attack here attack Ulster
1: uh, it's kind, of a, it's kind of like a, a yin and yang question, Quinny, and I'll tell you why. Munster seem better at the ball at times than they do with it. and Yeah, their um, defence has
0: been very good this year.
1: Super. And so is it a case of, like the last two weeks against Exeter, you afford the opposition uh, time and possession on the ball, but yet you're smarter in how you play with it. So you play a lot more territory, um, and then you take your chances when they come. I I I f- I feel like the way Munster went about their business against Exeter is probably best suited for Munster, and it might not be what you know the neutral supporter wants to see in relation to you know throwing the ball around. I just think that um, they seem to have found a little niche in terms of what they what they're really good at. They're excellent in defence. They're really like nuisances. A complete another like pain in the hole at breakdown and they can kick really well and I just think that that's probably where Munster are at the moment and that's not a slight that's just what suits that group and as they move into opposition scoring zones you know we start to see them kind of move the ball a little bit with pace we see, start to see players running off the ball with lines of running that make it difficult you can see the, the wild players saying wide so that those bridge passes are there and I just think that um, I think that's what suits Munster best right now um, and I think
0: that's probably what they will think you like that's go well uh, my my topic's worked on it is they have to be really physical and they have to bring an intensity Friday night because um the crowd are going to get behind ulster they 're going to try and pick them up um they're going to look for reactions themselves as individuals and Dan McFarlane and challenge these players this week. Um, no better way of kind of feeling better about yourself than beating one of your biggest rivals on Friday Friday night at home in front of the home crowd uh, cementing their place possibly because they'll go to 54-55 if they win um, uh, with a home semi-final so it's really important for them to control the kitchen sink now at the URC Um, so I think for Munster a couple of steps forward um, given where we were a few weeks ago against Leinster and to get through to the quarterfinals, I think was, was really important. And I think it's important for their own mentality that they go there and there's no guarantee. it's going to be a very difficult game, but they have to be, they have to bring an energy and an aggressiveness because otherwise Ulster will, you know, cause them problems. And I just think, I hope we don't see it on Friday night. now. um, Even if Munster lose, I just hope that there's a fight and there's an energy about the performance. And I think that has to happen. I'm sure that's what they're going to try and do um, at the weekend. Just quickly, before we finish up, um, positive weekend as regards Munster's performance. Uh, Let's hope we're talking about some of that positivity again next week. Your your challenge this weekend, just quickly, um, you've got England and Welford Road, I have some good memories from Welford Road over the years. Uh, Very tough place to go, but you're playing England there at 12 o'clock on Sunday. It's a bit of a daunting task, so um, just tell me where your mindset is at and and particularly after a really positive win against Italy, how are you viewing this game?
1: Yeah, look, we're very aware of where uh, England lie and where rugby, they're not the best team in the world for nothing they're incredibly good at what they do um and you know been professional now for a couple of seasons and they have a big eye on um on the world cup in september that's what they that's their goal is to they made these players professional to go and win a world cup so um yeah look we're obviously definitely going to be underdogs but we're very much preparing in our own way we're kind of looking at ourselves more than anything else we've got to see um We've gotten to see improvement from France in terms of that that level um, of where France and England are. We've got to kind of see how if we can close that gap um, and, you know, give a good account of ourselves. I think we've just got to continue to to try and develop. And and this is kind of where we see the best people, you know. Obviously, it's a very much changed squad, Quinny. You You know that already because the Sevens girls are gone, um, which makes it... um, you can look at it two ways. Obviously, they were incredibly good athletes, brilliant people, um, and really good rugby players. But it's now an opportunity for the extended thirty-eight man squad that we'd selected at the start to come in and um, and and state their claim. You know, um, we've got a big summer ahead of us too in terms of plans for a tour and stuff. So, in order for that to happen, you know, we've got to try and expose as many people to international rugby. But Look, it's going to be a great experience. Leicester, I've never been there before. Obviously, a rugby fan. I'm so excited to see you out for the road. But also with the fact that um, England are doing rugby, women's rugby, really, really well at the moment. I think there's something going to be something like 15,000 people at the game. So um, I think if you're a player for us right now, you've just got to go suck up the experience and make sure that um, we can account ourselves quite well.
0: Okay, well, look. The best of luck with it. Um, you've you've summed it up there how strong they are, but you have to go and throw throw the kitchen sink at them. Um, just to to wrap up on uh any other gossip, we don't have any other gossip really. Only that we're hearing assistant coaches Mike Prendergast and Dennis Leamy. I'm hearing their names a little bit this week. Um, Graham Roundtree has obviously got involved. I, I've been given the head job last week, so. Maybe we'll have a little bit of news on the assistant coaches next week, and that's kind of what people are waiting on now. Who's going to be Graham Roundtree's team? So we'll wait and see. Um, that's it from episode for episode twenty eight of the Red Seventy Eight. Uh, to make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone, just search the Red Seventy Eight and press subscribe. And don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts. You can tweet Neve or myself at our own Twitter handles, or else you can tweet the Rugby cha- at, at Rugby Channel Fifteen. Um, or leave a comment on YouTube. So that's it for this week. Good luck to you, Neve, and uh, thanks again. Thanks, buddy The Monster Rugby Podcast, Red Seventy Eight, with Alan Quinnon and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.